in the College of the Barbs is a Bible copy table, a place where the students would have painstakingly by hand written the Bible out from beginning to end. You see, the Bible was very important to the Waldensians. They had it in their own language. It formed a basis for congregational worship. There was also societies of young people that would meet together and would commit large parts of the Bible to memory. You're hearing audio from the Lineage Journey YouTube video series, which traces the history of Bible-believing religious dissidents through the centuries. The presenter and executive producer of the series is Adam Ramden, an Adventist youth pastor from the north of England. My interview with him via Skype starts straight after this. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Could you um, tell us a little bit about the origin of that Lineage Journey series that, that is on YouTube? Um, and you're still like, dropping at least a video every week. Um, so how did it all happen? How did it all begin? I had quite humble beginnings and in the sense that we never planned for it to be what it is now. Uh, it started in London, actually. I was at the British Museum with a friend of mine, Clive Coutte, mm-hmm. and he had been mentioning to me in the past that he always wanted to kind of do some films or videos on the Reformation because there was nothing that was of good quality yeah. online. Okay. And he said to me, oh, you, you know, the British Museum lets you use a tripod. Maybe we should come back here and just film a few clips with some of the historical artifacts and Maybe we can go to John Wesley's house in London, too. And I said, well, you know, that sounds good. Why don't we film in Oxford and Cambridge as well? Because I visited those sites quite a few times and Mm. maybe Lutterworth and Edinburgh. And we just kind of, the conversation just kind of evolved. And we just said, yeah, you know, let's do that. And then somewhere along the line, and I don't know who it was, we kind of had the idea, well, let's, let's film a chronological journey and travel to different places in Europe as well. I mean, like, I can't remember if it was him. He can't remember if it was me. But it's just kind of the idea just kind of organically grew. Mm, okay. So did this have anything to do with the fact that, uh, you know, last year was the 500th anniversary of, you know, Luther kicking off the Reformation in Germany? Was that a, a catalyst in any way? Yeah, that that was definitely in our minds. Um, but I, I don't know if it was part of the initial, like, very, very first idea. I think after the idea grew, we we're like, oh, well, you know, next year's Reformation 500. Let's, instead of let's plan something for October, we, we thought let's start something in January and just plan it, you know, the whole year. So we've got some momentum by the time we get to October. Yeah, well, that's, you know, very, very good timing, you know, whether it's um, just a, a happy accident or, uh, or, or, you know, God's leading in some way, it, it worked out very well. Um, yeah, I mean, really, God has to take the credit for this because it wasn't like a, you know, sometimes you have ideas that you're sitting down at a, 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 a committee table, you have a strategic planning session and you're brainstorming and all that stuff. But it wasn't really any of that. It just kind of grew from an idea and just went from there. Yeah. Are you personally interested in, in history and church history in particular? Is it, you know, sort of been something you've studied privately? Yeah, or? it is. I, I mean, I like history and at least the Reformation sites in England, like Oxford, your, your Lutterworth, Edinburgh, St. Andrews. I've visited them on numerous occasions and always had a personal interest in that, you know, always trying to find books on the Reformation and, and, and history. So, 
it was always a personal kind of pleasure interest. So some of the, you know, some of the research I didn't have to research too much for, at least for some of the episodes last year, but some of them you know, had to, it, it was areas that I hadn't read in too much. So yeah, it was something I, I, I do personally enjoy and still do. Mm. So the the English Reformation, I guess you're talking about what people like um, William Tyndall or um, John Wycliffe, they, you know, those people who who translated the Bible into the you know the English tongue for for the first time. Are those you know some of the people you you focused on in your series? Yeah, we did William Tyndale, we did John Wycliffe, and I mean John Wycliffe, his his church in Lutterworth is only about forty five minutes from my house, so I've kind of visited that on numerous occasions, so was familiar with that one. Um, we also did the Oxford Martyrs, Hugh Latimer, Nicholas Ridley, and Thomas Cranmer, and we, we, we featured them as well. So we tried to kind of cover early English reformers as well as later ones, and we did the Celtic Church as well, so we went up to Scotland and visited Iona. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and Wales, and and some other places of of interest to the Celtic Church. So, well, what is it about the the English Reformation that gets you excited? Like, are there particular themes that emerge from these people's lives that get you excited? Um, William Tyndale was someone that I hadn't really researched too much, but you know, he's probably one of my favourite reformers now. I mean, it's a common theme you find throughout, I think, most of the reformers, and it's that that willingness to stand or to live by a principle as opposed to, you know, just live for a paycheck or live for, you know, the, some of the earthly things that people live for today. They, they had a conviction that was bigger than their own life. Mm. And I think that that's a recurring theme you find throughout the Reformation as a whole, in particular, like with William Tyndale or the Oxford Martyrs, you see that again and again. And it, to me, that's inspirational that people would believe in something so much they believe in it and value it more than their life itself yeah sure now you are a a pastor who focuses on working with with young people there in in the north of england um Mm -hmm. and and often when we think of young people and history um it's like oh yuck you know old boring stuff battles and dates and do you do you attempt to sort of involve young people in in your enthusiasm for history do you think it's important for young people to understand history I think it's very important. And, and like you say, the stereotype is young people aren't interested in history or it's kind of boring to them. And I think in many ways, that's, that's down to the way we've told the story of history. Um, you know, it's memorize these dates and memorize these places. And, and, and we haven't really looked into the, I don't know, the stories behind the stories or the, the why it matters. What's the point of kind of studying it and bringing that out? So I think it's very important, you know, with this series of lineage that, that, that we've done, it's important for us today in understanding our identity today, it's very important for us to know where we've come from and to know that whatever religious beliefs we have today or spiritual beliefs, they, they haven't formed in a vacuum, but there's a, there's a legacy that's been laid down from people in the past. And I think when we understand what that legacy is and we understand what our heritage is, it gives us a, a deeper appreciation of who we are today. And so I think it's understanding history in the context of who we are today, I think brings it more to life. And for young people, I think that that, that resonates. And I guess a, a lot of those reformers, well, some of the stories of those early reformers and the people who, you know, were followed their movements were young people, weren't they? And they, you know, some suffered and died and were even martyred for their faith. So, uh, you know, there's a connection there, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when we look at pictures of reformers or, or paintings of them, they, they're often black and white or they're old pictures. And I don't know, growing up as a young person, I'd look at those pictures and just think, well, they're old. You know, these guys were old. <laughs> but, you know, when I was researching and going through, okay, well, they were born on this year. 
they did this significant action on this year. They died. I was like, oh, wow. They were like in their 20s and their 30s and maybe their 40s, but they were definitely doing significant things in their younger years. And, and that really kind of stood out to me that over and over again, the prominent reformers like your Martin Luther's or your Calvin, John Calvin's, William Tyndale's, they did their significant actions that history remembers them for in their younger years. Wow. Hey, I'd like to um, focus a bit on the Waldensies today with you, if, if we could, Adam, um, because mm-hmm. we, we actually have an article appearing in, in this month's um, magazine, the April Signs of the Times. It's an excerpt from the, the book Unshakable Faith uh, by Mark Finley, and uh, our listeners um, will actually um, give, give them a chance to uh, get a hold of, of a free copy of this book for themselves. I'll give you some details about okay, that at, yeah, at, at the end of the program. But yeah, he, he wrote this, one of, one of the chapters in his book does focus on the Waldenses and um, obviously the, the Lineage Journey video series, which is there on YouTube, free for anyone to check out. Um, mm-hmm. Also, there are a couple of episodes there where you, you look at, at these issues. Can you, can you just outline the, the story of the Waldenses for us? Just um, give us a thumbnail sketch of the history so that we know what we're talking about. The Waldenses were a group of believers that were based in northern Italy. Mm-hmm. And they they were given different names over the years um, that were kind of given to them by others. The word Waldensians, people often believe, comes from Valdensis, beginning with V, and it mm-hmm. literally means like people of the valleys. Mm-hmm. And uh, initially, they kind of would have been based in northern Italy, you know, Milan, Torino. But as persecution grew, they had to kind of leave those bigger cities and retreat more into the mountains. And as time went on. They would kind of retreat more and more up into the the mountains, and they would live up there, um, okay. you know, for generation after generation. Okay, they so were, th- this this begins in what about the eleven hundreds? Is is that around the the date when they really kicked off? Because because that's sort of like four hundred years before the Reformation. Like these these guys are very much pre Reformation, aren't they? It was definitely yeah, pre- they definitely were pre Reformation, and they were around several hundred years before the Reformation, as as we know it in the 16th century. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What what impresses you about their story in particular? Two things, I think. Number one, how long they withstood persecution, and how long they maintained the the faith that had been handed down to them mm-hmm. uh, over the centuries. And I think of all the people groups you find like. You've got the Celtic Church in Britain, you've got the Waldensians, you've got the Albigensians in France. The Waldensians kind of held out the longest mm-hmm. against um, what they saw as you know corrupt practices coming into Christianity. Mm. So to me, it was their, their stand for the truth and their stand on God's word the longest. And number two, I think, though, they weren't just the hermit people. They, they lived in the Italian Alps, but... They would train their young men and, uh, and, and women to go out as missionaries around Europe. And they, they had to be undercover missionaries, so they would, they would go to the university, the leading universities of Europe. They would take, you know, pages of the Bible that had been sewn into their, their, their jackets. And they would go as kind of undercover, you know, like secret service missionaries. And yeah. so it wasn't, they weren't just kind of, let's retreat to the mountains and be monks. Mm-hmm. But they... The mountains was um, a place of refuge, but also a place of training. And then from there, they would travel out and be missionaries. And I think they're the, 
you know, maybe that's why they, they, they were blessed so much because it wasn't an insular faith, but it was a, a faith that had to be shared with other people. Mm. So obviously this um, missionary aspect were, was a part of, of what the, the Waldensies were, were focusing on, but you said they had a particular faith and they were being persecuted for it. What were the aspects of their faith that were distinct from the mainstream church at the time? And, you know, what was it that, you know, attracted the, um, the ire of, of the church? I think one of the biggest things that attracted the persecution that came down to them was a refusal to recognize the papal church structure mm-hmm. um, that, that was around. You know, the, the papal church structure is very kind of hierarchical, top-down. you got the pope and the bishop, archbishops and bishops and so on. And, and they didn't follow that same structure. And they believed that the Bible and conscience was higher than earthly authority. And so th- there's a clash between those two different philosophies. Mm. One of them puts the Bible as, as the final answer in questions of faith, and the other one says, well, no, the, the final answer in questions of faith would be the authority of the church. Mm-hmm. And that kind of two huge different worldviews and philosophies were, uh, clashed between the Wardensians and, and the church at the time. And so. And I read somewhere they actually translated the Bible into their, into their own languages. Is that your understanding? It's true, yeah, they, they had the Bible in their languages and... And that, you know, and that was ref- a big deal, wasn't it? That was, and so they were, they preserved the Bible in many ways. And when the Reformation kicked off, at least the 16th century Reformation, that kind of we refer to as the Reformation, mm-hmm. and the Waldensians became aware of the larger movement of Christianity, they, I guess their gift to the Reformation was to give, you know, a Bible, I believe it was in the French language. So mm-hmm. they had kind of, um, they translate into the French and, and that was something that they contributed to the wider Reformation picture. So they, you know, they had the Bible before that, mm-hmm. that they had preserved painstakingly writing it out over, over the gener- the generations. So the, the Waldensies, do you, do you see them as a part of a, a wider pattern of of dissidents, like either you know, in their time, I mean, you mentioned the Albigenses, for example. Um, do you see them as sort of a part of a, a wider movement? I think so. You've got, um, I mean, in the Bible, in Revelation 12, there's a phrase that's used that talks about the church or the woman in the wilderness or the church in the wilderness. And so during a time period when there was, we refer to as the Dark Ages, when um, you know there was spiritual darkness across Europe. There were there were pockets of believers in, in different parts of Europe that were not necessarily connected to each other or, or even aware of each other. But in a sense, they were the true church during that time in the wilderness, kind of scattered, isolated, um, poor, persecuted. Mm. The Ordensians, they, they were northern Italy. Um, the Albigensians were southern France. You had um, the Celtic church, as I mentioned before, in Britain. Hmm. The Paulicians were another group, and there was um, Christians even going as far down as as modern day Ethiopia. Yeah, the Abyssinians. So there, there were there were people scattered all over, hmm. and you know it's encouraging to, to to read their stories and realize that you know even in times of immense spiritual darkness, God had a people that were preserving as best they could a knowledge of His Word, and um, you know. It's, what have been handed down to them. It, it's interesting you, you use the phrase as best they could. I mean, obviously, none of these people were perfect. You know, God revealed certain things to them. They 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 were committed to certain things that they discovered in in the scriptures. But um, are you suggesting that it's not as if they had found you know all all the truth that that is there to be found? There was sort of still work to be done. Yeah, I think there was still work to be done. And you know, I wouldn't want to say that any of these people had a pure religion, so to speak. Mm. Uh, it, using that in its strictest sense, I think they were they were striving to have a pure faith, but they were striving for that. But it was it wasn't um, a finished product then. Um, mm. 
it was still well, a work in progress. Is, you know, is, the, is, is it ever? Is it ever? I mean, you know, surely the faith of all of us is, is a work in progress to some extent, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think some of these groups, they, you know, they may have been isolated. Communication wasn't what it was then. The printing press wasn't what it was mm. then. So they, they had access and they had inherited some books and Bibles and so on. But it wasn't maybe as complete as it is today. And not even to say that today it's fully complete. But they were doing the best they could. And, and, and God honored their faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the printing press. Because, of course, in the in the 16th century there, you know, Johann Gutenberg, um, you know, came up with... The you know the movable type printing press in in Europe, and yeah, and basically yeah basically it went viral from that point like that that was the cutting edge technology at the time and, and it was the technological engine that sort of drove the the Reformation. Now um you know you're, you're telling the Reformation story on YouTube, which is interesting. You know using t- today's sort of viral um, viral media. But the story itself, do you, do you think these stories of, you know, the Celtic church, the Waldensies, the, you know, people running around in the mountains and, and in the Dark Ages, how is that relevant for people in, in today's world? I think the relevance of history is the lessons that come from the history and mm-hmm. the applications we pull from history. That, that's what makes it relevant. So the stories isolated from our lives, they don't really have much relevance. It's interest and it's kind of, well, it's an interesting point. Hmm. I think once we make an application from history, that's what really drives it home and answers the question, well, well, what's the big deal? Well, there's an application we can pull from that. And it's encouraging to see people who've gone, you know, experiences we may be going through as individuals today, we may be going through as a church today to see, well, these things have happened in the past. Mm-hmm. People have gone through these situations, they've gone through these circumstances, and, and that stands as an encouragement for us today. In that sense, I think it, it is relevant because it, it can be inspirational, it can be encouraging, it can it can give courage when, when we may feel down. Mm. Well, you know, this person went through this experience. This is what enabled him to get through it. Yeah. And, you know, this is what can encourage us today as well. And and have you found that to be the case as as you've you know developed and produced and and been releasing this um, you know lineage journey video series? Have you found that people are encouraged by it and they you know they're responding to it? Like what, what sort of feedback have you got? Uh, it's been very positive. Um, it's interesting going back to one of the earlier questions you had about you know young people in history. Mm. It's interesting the highest demographic of viewers on Facebook is actually young men between the ages of thirteen and seventeen. Interesting. Even though the, the people who like our page, the highest demographic, I think, is 25 to 35, mm-hmm. but the people who watch the videos, the highest demographic is basically teenage boys. Um, there you go. What do you think it is about the content that grabs that demographic in particular? I think it's that it's, well, it, it's factual. It's kind of presenting a, a short, concise episode of history in, in, in just like four or five minutes. Mm. And I think it answers that question. You know, the big questions in life are, where do I come from? Why am I here? You know, where am I going? And I hmm. think these videos and, 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 and anything that kind of tries to look into our past is answering the question, where do I come from? And even though people may not articulate that, it's, it's a deep burning question that all of us, most likely, we have. You know, where do I come from? Yeah. You know, we wonder where we come from in terms of our family. We ask our parents, you know, who was our grandparents? And, you know, what's my family heritage? But we also have a, 
that same question when it comes to our, our spiritual heritage as well. You know, who are we today and where do we come from? Yeah, yeah. And I guess the production values might have something to do with it too because obviously, you know, that it's fairly fast moving. Um, you know, the, the music is, you know, yeah, pre- pre- pretty I mean, good. The, the drone, foot- the drone footage, man. I mean, that's some beautiful, you know, views, aerial views of some, you know, incredible historic places. Um, that really does add something to it, I, I think. You know, that's one reason why I know I enjoy it. Yeah, I mean... The, the, when we first did the videos, I thought I thought the, the videographer was going to stick a camera in front of my face and record that and stick it straight on line. When when I saw the first episode, I was like, oh, wow, he's a little bit more involved, you know? But, <laughs> you know, he, he knows what he's doing. And he because it's social media and people are scrolling through Facebook, you need it to be fast and quick in the first, you know, four mm-hmm. or five seconds to, to try and get people's attention that they'll, yeah. they'll stop and watch a bit longer. So. And I think that appeals to a, young, a younger audience as well, that, you know, the quick images, uh, the music to kind of grab the attention. So Yeah, no, that's great. So, so how many videos have you uploaded so far and, and how many more are coming? Uh, we uploaded 48 so far mm-hmm. um, in terms of the standalone episodes. Mm-hmm. Actually, 49. 49. And, and then there's a sort of a like behind the scenes and extras and things like that on top of it. Yeah, yeah there's about five or six, maybe seven behind the scenes videos. Mm. And we've got some 360 degree videos as well. So, for example, Martin Luther's house or some of the churches we've gone to, we've recorded mm. 360 degree videos there. So people can kind of, you know, scroll around and look what, what that church or that room or that building looks like inside. Oh, that's cool. Bit a bit of a virtual reality sort of experience. Oh, that, that sounds great. Got got any um, you know, plans for new video or, or media projects? Yeah, we're actually got a new series that's going to be coming out this year, starting in May, uh, the end of May. We have a new series that will be coming out. There's going to be about another fifty or so videos that will come out that will kind of continue the journey of mm. the the expansion of Christianity um, in America and around the world. Yeah, look, that sounds great. Hey, thanks so much, um, Adam Ramden. We really do appreciate the time you've you've given us today to um, share a bit about um, you know that lineage journey video series and and your passion for history and Reformation history in particular. Thank you. It's been a privilege. Now, if you'd like to know more about the stories of people who have kept biblical faith alive through the centuries, despite all kinds of oppression and persecution, we have a special offer for you this week. It's the first time we've organised a giveaway for Signs of the Times Radio. If you're in Australia or New Zealand and you'd like a free copy of the book I mentioned earlier in the episode, Unshakable Faith by Mark Finley, all you need to do is send us your name, your postal address and the title of the book, which is, once again, Unshakable Faith, to this email address, info at signsofthetimes.org.au. That's info at signsofthetimes.org.au. Thanks so much for listening. God bless. Catch you next week. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. Adventist Media.